Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is Rush Hour with Danny Burke on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Happy Monday, folks, and happy 2022, the first show of Rush Hour, at least in the new year. Welcome in. I'm Danny Burke, your host. Remember, you can always catch me on Twitter at DannyBurke5 for VSN at VEASAN Live on the tweets tonight. Well, for the next hour at least here on Rush Hour, we'll be getting you previewed and really prepared for Monday Night Football. Big Ben's potential last home game as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Does that warrant a bet on this Pittsburgh squad? We'll talk with host of the Pittsburgh City Cats in a half hour, Tim Benz. He will give us full in-depth analysis preview on the overall game, in-game betting strategies, props, and maybe his favorite Big Ben memory as well if we got some time, but that'll be in a half hour with Tim Benz. Before that, 15 minutes from now, Wes Reynolds, fellow VEASAN host, will not only share his thoughts for Monday Night Football, but an early preview into the final week of the regular season in the National Football League. Wes already has some strong thoughts, so we're pumped to get in on some of that early action with Wes. That'll be in 15 minutes from now. End of the show, 45 minutes, prop shelf slash Danny's Dimes. I'm going to be throwing out some props that I think could be a decent look. I really wasn't, in terms of just betting, I'm in love with some of these props tonight. It's kind of an ugly game, and there's some spots at the end of the year that can be really good to look at with props because of all the player incentives and financials and what have you. But some games you don't know because what's the momentum going to be? What's the incentive for some of these other players going to be? The Browns, we know, are eliminated from playoff contention. The Steelers have, what, like a 4% chance or something minuscule to make the postseason, but they still got to win tonight. Cleveland can play spoilers not only to the playoff hopes of their division rival, but of Big Ben's final home game. So I guess you kind of got to judge it in that sense. But nevertheless, still plenty of props to get into a couple of plays that I do have. One on the hardwood tonight with the Chicago Bulls who are looking to extend to an eight-game win streak for this season. But let's kick things off previewing Monday Night Football with this line because, man, this thing has gone back and forth all throughout the course of last week up until now. Currently, it sits Pittsburgh minus three. Money line minus a buck 39 at Bet Rivers for the Steelers. Cleveland, if you trust them, it's plus 117 for them to win outright. If you want to take the three points with the Browns, it's minus 115. If you do want to lay it with Pittsburgh, you're actually still getting plus money here, plus 102 at Bet Rivers. Oddly enough, this total is bumped up. I did not think that was going to be the case, but this thing opened up like 41 and a half. Now it's up to 43 and a half about minus 110 each way at Bet Rivers. But if we recall where this thing opened, so early on it was Pittsburgh minus one and a half. 
this thing completely flipped, I think, to as high as, yeah, it was, what, Cleveland minus three and a half for a majority of last week. And we discussed this game on Friday, and I was like, I'll be curious to see what happens this weekend and see where the line shifts and then may jump on Cleveland. But because of the fact that the Browns ended up getting eliminated, I'm not going to play the Browns outright in this game. And there was the part of Big Ben having his final home game. That narrative in general kind of scared me. And now, again, it's kind of tough to gauge what performance and effort you're going to get out of Cleveland. I do think they put on a strong showing there, but if it's kind of getting away from them, how much are they really going to try to battle back? That's the thing. If they get the early lead, if they keep it close, then, yeah, I'd have confidence in Cleveland being the better, deeper team. But if Pittsburgh gets out to an early lead at some point, Cleveland's like, all right, do we really need to keep going all out on every single play? It's a tough speculation to make. But for that reason, I might wait for in-game, but nothing pre-flop in terms of the overall game spread or total. But I do got to play for the first half, so let's get into it with the beginning stages of this game like we typically do previewing primetime games. Let's jump in to my better half for the Browns and the Steelers tonight. What is the money line spread and total consisting of for the first half of this Monday night game? We'll start with the first half three-way bet. In this selection, you can do the Browns, Steelers, or you can bet that it is going to be tied going into the second half. So in this area, the Browns are plus 118 for the first half three-way. The Steelers are minus 113, and if you think it is tied up, 8-1 to one are your odds. Now you could also opt into doing the tie no-bet first half, where the tie is not a betting selection, and if it does push, you would get your money back. And if you don't bet the tie and it does tie for the first half three-way, naturally you would lose because it's a betting selection. The thing here is you get better value with the three bets and the three-way as opposed to the tie no-bet but you get more security with the tie no bet. So in that area, the Browns plus 108 Steelers instead of minus 113, you're laying upwards to minus a buck 32. Spread for this game, one and a half in the first half. Steelers minus the one in the hook, minus 106 are their odds. Plus one and a half for Cleveland if you want to take the one in the hook, minus 115 for the Browns. Again, I always reiterate this, but if you want to take the favorite, I would just go money line instead of doing the spread at minus one and a half. And if you do kind of like Cleveland, the first half is a little bit unique. Sometimes these games do fall on a point or it's tied and you can still cash that bet if you want to trust Cleveland a little bit more so you could get a 7-6 to six type of effort or you could just get any tie going into the second half. So that's why sometimes, even though it's really short, not a bad idea to consider the spread, although I don't really have any faith in one team or the other to get off to a hot start. But I do believe this is a game that could present many opportunities in terms of betting the total for this first half. So let's get into that. Total points here is 21 and a half at Bet Rivers. The over is minus 113, under is minus 108. The odds have been moving pretty frequently in this area throughout the course of this day. And honestly, I thought you'd maybe see it pretty chalked up to the under, but that really hasn't been the case. Again, the over's been getting some love in terms of the overall game and very minusculely, but in terms of just for this first half too, because of the odds, not the actual number. Uh, Steelers over under record if it was 21 and a half the over would be six the under would be nine meaning they have gone over 21 and a half in six first halves out of 15 games this year the Browns are eight and seven with their over under record if we apply the number of 21 and a half to all their first halves Pittsburgh this season in the first half averaging just 6.7 first half points per game terrible that's 31st second worst in the nfl cleveland on the other side they're middle of the pack pretty much they're averaging about 12 and a half first half points per game that puts them 15th in the nfl 
Pittsburgh defensively allowing 12.4 first half points per game. No bueno either. That's 26 worse in the NFL. The Browns are allowing 10 first half points per game, which is nice. So if you're going off of those stats, I mean, really, Cleveland is the better first half team. So that's why I don't think you should be running to the counter just because it's Big Ben's last game. Because Cleveland, you don't know what kind of effort they're going to have out of the gate. I wouldn't put that all on Pittsburgh. If anything, I'd probably have a little bit more faith in Cleveland right away than I would Pittsburgh. And then maybe wait for the end game with the Steelers, who desperately need to win this game. Or Cleveland, you're just trying to play the villain really here and spoil many different things. So I would lean under 21 and a half, though, because, again, I could see this being a slower starting game. We know Cleveland loves to run the ball. Baker Mayfield, not the most effective in the passing game this season. However, I could see this being a scenario where they really just let him throw it consistently. Because, again, what do you have to lose? You got Najee Harris for Pittsburgh. If they get control early, try to control that clock, even though it's the first half. Whatever it may be, I just don't foresee this being a high-scoring affair. Total points by the individual team. This is where I got my bet, though. The Browns, their number's at 9.5. It's shaded to the over minus 139. They've gone over 9.5 first half points in 11 out of 15 games, and the Steelers have allowed opponents over this mark in 9 out of 15 games. But again, don't fully know what to expect out of Cleveland per se, and it's still just an offense that's tough to trust. So I didn't have the play on Cleveland, but I did have the play on the Steelers and their total points for the first half. So 10 in the hook is the number at Bet Rivers. Over minus 107, under is minus 122, and I played the under for the Steelers' total first half points at 10.5. Look, they've only gone over 10.5 first half points in three games this season. They did it against the Broncos where they got 17, and then they got 14 versus Seattle, 14 versus Chicago, if we remember that Monday night game. But all three have been at home, granted, so if you want to, Consider that trend, something to keep in the back of your mind. But the Browns have held opponents under 10.5 first-half points in 10 out of 15 games. Pretty solid sample size to look from. The Steelers, their red zone efficiency has been really bad lately. So even if they are moving the ball downfield against this Cleveland squad, as long as the Browns can limit them to field goals, we'd be sitting pretty decent with the first-half total under 10.5. They rank 21st in red zone efficiency due to the Steelers offensively, just getting a touchdown 57% of the time they make the red zone, and 45.5% the last three games for the Steelers. Again, not good for this Pittsburgh team. The Browns, however, they are pretty bad with the red zone defense. We do have to address that. They rank 29th in defensive red zone efficiency, allowing opponents to score 68% of the time in the red zone. Look, the Steelers' offense has gone off this, or gotten off to so many slow starts, and this defense, again, they're going to try to play spoilers. It's just a matter of how long. So if we're banking on this Cleveland defense to come through, I'm thinking it's going to be out of the gate sooner rather than later in this spot. And we've said that with a lot of first halves, and that's really proved to be the case in a lot of these primetime games and just in general. But I do think you're going to see more energy out of this Browns team trying to set the tone right away, but you're going to see more later attacks, just a team that needs it more desperately in the second half out of Pittsburgh. So you could apply that to the angle of, well, if the Browns are leading in the first half, maybe look to capitalize on a better number from Pittsburgh. But I just don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game in general. And I like that you're, they're, they're giving you over 10 for the Steelers for the first half, and they've only gone over that three times. So this Browns defense, they haven't been as good as they were last year. They definitely have had some issues. But I think against a division opponent, where in that first game, I believe it was like 3-3, three to three, if I'm not mistaken, going into the second half when they first played. So that could be the case once again where you get a lower scoring game. That yeah, was 3-3 three to three in the first half. 
the game ended up 15 to 10 overall. That doesn't mean it's going to repeat identically to that. But I just don't think these are two high-powered offenses, especially on the side of Pittsburgh. So all in all with the first half, the main bet I am playing are the Pittsburgh Steelers under 10.5 first half points, minus 122. I strongly considered the full first half under 21 in the hook, but a little bit more faith in terms of just thinking Pittsburgh is not going to have a prolific offense to get things kicked off. So that's what I'm rolling with for my bet tonight. We'll continue to talk more props in this game later in the show and with Tim Benz in 30 minutes, host of the Pittsburgh City Cast. But joining us next, fellow VEASAN host Wes Reynolds. We'll see what action he's got on this game and an early preview to the slate of NFL Week 18. That's coming up next right here at his Rush Hour. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, Creighton, you don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That could, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of those. Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? The whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Rush Hour on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN has a great new offer to help make this your best betting year ever. Our all new Big Game Big Dance special provides VSIN Plus all access to everything we do from now through April 5th for only 69 bucks. So sign up now and get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming big game, and Kyle Choops betting guides, plus full access to VEASAN.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year, so don't miss out on one of our best deals of the year. So check it out at VEASAN.com slash big deal to sign up today. Again, that's VSIN.com slash big deal. Check it out today. 
Welcome back to the show. It is Rush Hour here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Danny Burke, your host, and it is time to preview more NFL for not only tonight, but an early sneak peek for the slate for this upcoming week. And to help us do all of that, it's Wes Reynolds joining us now, co-host of the Green Zone on the weekends and does many other shows here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At, at Wes Reynolds, one is where you can follow him on Twitter. And Wes, uh, I got to ask you first about this game with the Browns and the Steelers because as we were previewing it to kick things off, this line, I mean, it's just completely flip-flop from one side to the other. And right now, as of this moment, it's at three in favor of Pittsburgh. But if you do want to lay it, you're getting plus 102 at Bet Rivers at least. This total has shot up a little bit to 43 and a half. Tell us the position you took, because I know you had an early play on this last week, and then how you would approach it if you had to as of this moment. Yeah, Danny, good to be with you. And I am on the early number on the Steelers at three and three and a half, plus uh, the points there. Obviously, the line has switched with not only maybe this is Big Ben's last game in the Steel City, and plus Cleveland, knowing that they are now eliminated for the playoffs. Steelers, by the way, Still alive, kind of hanging by a thread, but still alive. Cleveland's been a real disappointment this year, and a lot of it had to do with injuries and COVID-19, and also the fact that Baker just has not really played very well this year. But we know what the Steelers are, I think, at this point. They're not a very good offense, bad offensive line, uh, very much an aging quarterback, very good defense that keeps them competitive, uh, but not really great against the rush, but they are very good at rushing the passer, which gives you concern for Baker Mayfield. So I'm already on the good number with Pittsburgh. And look, Pittsburgh has been living right in close games this year. They're 7-2-1 and one in one-possession games, 2-0-1 and one in overtime. And the two losses that they had were against the Chargers and the Vikings, where they actually had wild late comebacks, where they were down big and made it a game there at the end. So they've had a lot of good fortune. Meanwhile, Cleveland is not. They're 4-6 and six in one-possession games. So with the good number, if you have the good number on Pittsburgh where you're getting the points, I would probably be looking actually to live bet the Browns in this game to see if I'm going to go ahead and try to get a middle. We know the trends with Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger as underdogs, but now they are not underdogs if you're getting late to the party and starting to bet this game. I do think actually Cleveland is the better team here. Now, how interested are they going to be? I think that they're still going to play hard, but it's obviously baked into the cake here that they're not going to make the playoffs. So that's why I think you've seen a lot of this move and then plus some COVID concerns for the Browns. But Browns live is what I'm going to look to do to see if I can middle the pre-flop position. What do you say to people who like to look at the approach of the last game narrative versus this Browns team where you could play spoilers, but you really can't predict how hard they'll be playing for how long? Because you talk about in-game, and I guess the way I was looking at it, and I, and I like your approach because of where you got your number first. Of course, that's a great way to go about it. But the thing that I'm kind of looking forward is if the Browns maybe get off to a hot start and then they kind of get lackadaisical, whatever. They don't need this win naturally as desperately as this Pittsburgh team does, so maybe you could get a better number on Pittsburgh if you haven't gotten involved in anything. Is that something that you would maybe suggest? Because we really don't know what to expect until we see it. Well, one thing I will tell betters, and this isn't just for tonight's game, this is for the Week 18 card, players don't tank. Like, players are going to give an effort no matter what. Even the bad teams are going to play hard because they're they're going to be relying on trying to keep their jobs, whether it's with their current team or with another team. So it's like, 
well, I'm not going to not play hard or going to quote unquote tank because, you know, the organization can get a better draft pick to eventually draft my replacement. So betters that kind of talk about that, forget all that stuff. And also another thing, and the, the most important thing I want people to carry over from this segment, everything is priced in right now, Danny, in terms of all the scenarios and permutations and computations and whatever in terms of what teams need to do to win this division or what teams need to do to get in the playoff spot. Everything is already priced in. So unlike last week where I think it was mostly COVID concerns that moved these numbers, I think that you're going to get maybe more static lines here in week 18, number one, because of what you mentioned, because of the uncertainty in terms of maybe how teams approach this. Like, you'll probably get a very big underdog that'll play really hard next Sunday, and then another one that maybe if they get down early, they're kind of like, yeah, we're just playing out the string and play out the season. So that's what makes this week awful hard, but... One thing I will say, keep in mind, everything is already priced in here in week 18. Great. No, and that's the thing. You might be able to get advantage of that like really early on with some of these openers, but by the time most people are looking at it, you're right. I mean, it's pretty much settled at what it's going to be adjusted to based on the necessary needs for whatever team at this point. And one of them, Wes, yeah, I mean, take a look at the Chiefs, for example. They're nine and a half point favorites against the Broncos, still vying technically for that first seed in the AFC. The chances they get it, well, probably slimmed it on because I believe the Titans still have the slight advantage. But when you get a higher spread like that, you know, how does it factor when you see a team laying nine and a half? They just need to win, right? They don't necessarily have to risk these guys to dominate when their position is pretty much all but solidified. Right, and my, and to your point, must win does not always equal must cover. And there's still some 10 out there, by the way. And I do kind of like Denver in this spot. That's the early Saturday game. If you recall, they played uh, first weekend of December on Sunday Night Football. It was a 22-9 Chiefs win and cover. I think Denver got the money that week but didn't get the result. I think it went down to about eight or eight-and-a-half-point underdogs. Denver actually outplayed Kansas City. They had 404 yards of offense. Kansas City just 267, only 4.9 yards of play. So, look, we, we know the narrative on the Chiefs in terms of the offense that when they play these opposing defenses. You want to play those two high safeties, force Kansas City to run the ball, force Mahomes to throw short instead of taking deep shots all over the field. And Denver, that's what they do. That's what Dom Capers has always done as a defensive coordinator in his long tenure in the league, which may be coming to an end as head coach. I would expect that this is going to be his last game in Denver because Denver, they're currently undergoing the process of selling the team. The Bowling Trust is now taking bids on that team. I think Dom Capers is going to be out, but I still like Denver getting double digits here because Kansas City, they don't control their own destiny anymore. Now it's Tennessee that all they have to go do is is win in Houston. Tennessee, reminder, did beat Kansas City in the regular season, so they have that tiebreaker advantage. So, yeah, I thought 10 was a little high on what is kind of a low total now at 43.5-44. I know the Denver offense has not been very good They've had some injuries. They've had some COVID concerns. I know Judy was out yesterday. Bradley Chubb was out yesterday on the defensive end. So, you know, Denver was just kind of like walking into a buzzsaw facing the Chargers, who are still very much alive for the playoffs. But I think at 10, Denver would be worth a look here. 
All right, Wes, we got about a minute left, but I really wanted to hear your thoughts on this game. That's going to be interesting for, you know, some significant reasons. Naturally, out in the NFC West with the Rams and the 49ers, San Fran needing this dub, catching five in the hook. The total's at 44 and a half. What were your early thoughts for this matchup? Yeah, I'm going to look to the 49ers here. They just seem to have the Rams number. It's kind of like the Seattle Seahawks, whether they're a good or a bad team, always have the 49ers number. Well, the 49ers have the Rams number here, and they did beat them on Monday Night Football earlier in the season. Obviously, you want to keep in mind if Jimmy G is going to play. If it's Lance, I'm not as interested and not interested at all in the 49ers. But if Jimmy G can come back from that thumb, I would be interested. And look, the Rams are 12-4. and four. Uh, They just need to win to win this division and clinch this over Arizona. But... I didn't like what I saw out of the Rams in Baltimore. I thought they were very lucky to win the game. And the concern is Matthew Stafford, and I'm a big Matthew Stafford defender and, you know, a fan of his, but he has turned it over a lot. He's got five interceptions over the last three weeks. So that is a big concern here. And the 49ers, as you mentioned, they're still very much alive. They're currently in the sixth spot, but haven't clinched the playoff spot yet. So give me the Niners as a dog if Jimmy G is going to be able to go. I completely agree with you. I, I don't know what's happened. I mean, it's easy to defend Stafford in the sense if you look what he's capable of and that he was on a craft team in Detroit. But when he's doing what he's done the past two weeks, it's getting more and more difficult. So taking the points, if it's Jimmy G, I'm with you. Seems like the more appetizing side in that game. Hey, Wes, we are up against it, my friend. Happy New Year to you. Thank you for making some time and keep up the great work here at Visa. You bet, Danny. Anytime. At Wes Reynolds, one on the tweets. Catch him hosting Betting Across America and the Green Zone on the weekends. More of a preview with Tim Benz coming up next right here on Rush Hour. This is Rush Hour on VSN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts that are designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. And you've got city casts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. So subscribe to your local city cast wherever you get your podcast and you get hooked up. Multiple episodes a week, solid local sports betting content. Joining us now here on Rush Hour is the host of the Pittsburgh City Cast, ready to preview potentially Big Ben's last home game as a Steeler. And it's going to be Tim Benz joining us at Tim Benz PJH on the tweets and host of the Pittsburgh City Cast, giving you all things Pittsburgh, not only football, but hockey and much more surrounding that. So, Tim, thank you as always for making some time. I know you got a busy night ahead. Uh, as I keep saying, it's been crazy to follow this game in terms of the betting odds because at first it was Cleveland, or at first actually it was Pittsburgh as a favorite. Then it went up to Cleveland like three and a half, and now you're seeing Pittsburgh minus three at Bet Rivers. Total is ticked up to 43 and a half. What has been your assessment of this game leading up until tonight? Well, the lines where they are now, that's where I would have roughly set them. You know, it took, like you said, some winding to get there, but I kind of thought that we'd see an over-under total in the mid-40s. I kind of thought that we'd see the Steelers uh, as the favorites. 
Um, you know, my suggestion when I first, because I, I didn't see them come out as the initial favorite like you did, where I first picked up on it, Cleveland was already a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and I said, get on it now, because I'm not one who normally, when my money is involved, says, go for the storyline, not the gambling line, but this is a storyline kind of game. Um, I think this is one where, you know, I granted, I kind of felt the same thing last year, what what is Roethlisberger going to lose in the playoffs in Heinz Field at the Browns? Of course he's not. Uh, and look what happened. But, you know, this feels a little bit different. Um, you know, their playoff chances are so mooted now as opposed to where they were at 1 o'clock or 1.01 p.m. yesterday where it looked like a really legitimate chance that Casey would beat Cincy and they'd still have a good shot at the division. And I thought that might motivate them all the more. But, uh, at the same time, I, I, I think this is focuses more on Roethlisberger. So I think we'll see some points. Um, I think we'll see Ben throw a lot. Uh, that could be better for the Steelers if they treat the whole game and just give him the car keys and say, go ahead and score. That seems to be the way to go for them to actually score points in the second half of games this year. So, yeah, let Ben throw it around a bunch, and that could mean points for the Steelers, and, you know, it could mean points for the Browns too. Maybe a pick six or a turnover. In Pittsburgh's end, uh, I do like the over, and I do like the Steelers covering the field goal. And you talk about Big Ben and what the philosophy of him out there might be, maybe throwing the ball a lot. That brings me to talking about some of these props, which I was going to talk about next segment, but definitely want to hear your thoughts on them too. Because Big Ben, his pass completions is like 22.5 at most spots, overs even money. His pass attempts is 34.5 was the lowest I saw out there. I was a little bit more inclined to look over with his pass attempts and completions but since you're kind of saying he would throw it a lot, do you think we could see Big Ben completing at least 23 and then throwing for at least 35 times this evening? Yeah, I do. I don't think those numbers are too high at all because if they get behind doing it early, they're just going to throw it more. <laughs> like that's, that's kind of how things went in the playoff game and it's the way things have gone a lot of times in the latter 10 years of Ben's career, which is, if they get behind by throwing, they don't necessarily turn around and try to get back into it by running. You know, maybe they did that a little bit in the Cower era, but they haven't with Ben in the Tomlin years. So um, I think that's a fairly safe bet. And to be frank with you, I don't think that their run game is good enough that if they do get up early, that they can just turn around and hand the ball to Najee Harris and he can run out the clock. That hasn't been a formula for them enough this season. And, when they have played lesser teams and have gotten leads uh, on occasion, like, you know, the Bears came back on them and made a game of it. Um, you know, they, they haven't done a great job of putting away lesser teams. They've kept teams in games even when they've won them. Uh, so, yeah, I, I could see – I could still see Ben's passing totals. I, I like the overs on a lot of Ben numbers tonight. Is there any other player that you circled out that you think could be a good area to bet for props? Well, yeah, I guess by extension, you can look at a lot of Ben's targets. Um, I don't know what ended up being the final. I don't know what number you're looking at right now for Deontay Johnson on anything, receptions uh, over a touchdown, uh, you know, or half a touchdown. I think he scores. I could think. I, I think he gets himself uh, close to 100 yards, maybe like nine catches somewhere in there. I kind of like those numbers for Johnson. And um, the yardage for Chubb, he's never been over. I don't think he's been over 100 for the Steelers. If so, it was once in the, in the playoffs. Um, but I, 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 even though he had 61 yards last time against Pittsburgh, I like Chubb going over 100 for this game because 
the Steelers' rush defense has been so bad, and I think the Browns have to know that they made a mistake by not running the ball enough when the game was close in the second half. The first time these teams met was 15-10 to 10 Pittsburgh. Yeah, and just to reference Deontay, 72.5 is his receiving yards, 6.5 is his reception, so you would go over for both of those? Yeah. I like. I would like going over for both of those, and I don't know, where do they wind up putting Chubb for the game? Uh, Chubb, let me double-check on him. Right When you were saying the last number that you had, that's where I think he was around. Let me pull that up. 88.5 is where Nick Chubb is at for rushing yards. Yeah, I like over that, too, because I, I think the Steelers might get their points by throwing, and based on how poor they've been when it comes to rush defense, I think the Browns can get their points by running. At least that's what they should do. Um, you know, they've had this agenda, it seems, to make sure that Baker is part of every win. I think it's actually cost them wins, and I think that was definitely the case against the Steelers. Um, they should just be able to feel comfortable giving the ball to their running backs because the Steelers' defense has been lousy stopping the run. All right, Tim. Well, going into this game, if we're for a second can just assume that the Steelers do get the job done, they beat the Browns. Next week, they go on the road against the Ravens, and right now at Bet Rivers, the line is at four and a half, and Baltimore is the home favorite. This total we're seeing at 42. How would you look to bet it if we're going in with the assumption Pittsburgh is victorious tonight? Uh, I like, well, I think a lot of it has to do with Jackson, but. Um... You know, this this is a more funny one than I think this game against the, the Browns is. I, I'm inclined to think the Steelers win the last two and they end up missing out because the Jaguars can't beat the Colts. Um, or they end up beating the Ravens and the Browns. The Jaguars end up beating the Colts and the Chargers and uh, Raiders say, you know what, let's just tie like it's a soccer game. <laughs> um, so I, got, <laughs> I could see that possibility happening too. I just don't think the playoffs are in the cards for the Steelers, but you know, in the in the years where Tomlin has failed to make the postseason, they are the kings of being the last team out by a game or a half a game. So uh, I, I think the Steelers, if they have something to play for by the time the ball kicks next week at Baltimore, uh, the way that Baltimore has uh, been poor, I think, uh, stopping the pass, actually they did better against the Rams than I expected to. Um, I can see the Steelers, again, with Roethlisberger being at the helm, uh, doing some damage and uh, – getting a victory on the road, at least covering the spread against the Ravens and then being heartbroken because the Jaguars absolutely stink. All right, Tim, before we let you go here, we got about 90 seconds or so. What does the future hold for this Pittsburgh team in terms of the quarterback position if Big Ben does retire after this season? Great question. That's why I'm dying to watch the Manning cast to see how Aaron Rodgers flirts with the city of Pittsburgh this week. I, I didn't notice if he did it on McAfee's show for the 17th week in a row, but um, let's see what he does on the Manning cast. And he tries to maybe stoke those fires. I think they should be interested in him. I think they should be interested in Wilson. Uh, there were 20 years of really good Steeler teams that didn't get to Super Bowls or failed to win Super Bowls. Uh, not because the quarterbacks were awful, but because the quarterbacks just weren't quite good enough to be difference makers. And, um, you know, get two difference makers now and maybe you don't go into the wilderness like you did uh, between Bradshaw and Ben the last time. You know, like when Bradshaw left, you know, that 1984 team actually got the AFC championship. People forget about that. It was in a better state of affairs than what would be left behind for Mason Rudolph. Uh, Mason Rudolph ain't getting what remains of this team to the playoffs next year. So 
Either they rebuild with a new quarterback next year, they start the process with a rookie, they go out, they get an established veteran, or then I think the year after the rebuild truly happens after they give Mason one full year as a starter, and I don't think that sticks. Well, I'll tell you, everybody here in the Midwest would be rooting for Aaron Rodgers to depart from the NFC North and gladly could ship him out to the AFC. So uh, I'm sure a lot of us Bears fans will be rooting for that for your best interest. But, hey, Tim, I know you got a busy night. Thank you for taking some time out of it. Best of luck with everything tonight, and hopefully your Steelers bring some success to you. All right, thanks for having me again. As always, appreciate being on, and we'll talk to you soon. You got it. There he is, Tim Benz, folks, at Tim Benz, PGH on Twitter. Catch him hosting the Pittsburgh City Cast. All things Pittsburgh sports. He will absolutely get you all set for not only this game with the Steelers, but next weekend. Heck, maybe even if they do somehow find themselves in the postseason. But even beyond that, they got a lot of quarterback carousel decisions to make this offseason. Should be interesting to follow along. Coming up next as we wrap up Rush Hour, we're giving out our best bets and some props for tonight. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my <laughs> This is Rush Hour on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Bet River Sportsbook takes football same game parlays to a whole other level because now you can combine same game parlays from different games to give you even more ways to make your perfect combination. In addition to that, Bet Rivers has added more and more same game parlay props for the college football matchups that are still coming up just in time. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to explore all the new ways you can create your ideal combo. Must be 21. Gambling problem. Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1 800 Gambler. Indiana, 1 800 9 with the Colorado, 1 800 522 4700. Michigan, 1 800 270 7117. Watch your play 532-3500 in Virginia. Iowa, call 1 800 Bets Off. Playable in New Jersey as play Sugar House Void, where prohibited. 
Okay, welcome back to it. Final segment here on Rush Hour. You're on VCM, the Sports Betting Network. Danny Burke, your host at Danny Burke 5. You can reach me on the tweet. It is time to go over some props throughout tonight's game with the Steelers and the Browns. Let's get to it with Prop Shelf, the top props that stood out to me for this Monday night affair. Might be betting some with a late addition after talk with Tim Benz, but nevertheless still have strong leans at least on these that I think you should consider if you want to get interested in this department for tonight. Let's start with Baker Mayfield and his completions. 19 and a half is the number over under minus 115 a little bit earlier. The over seems to be getting some late love, it looked like, but 19 and a half is the number. Uh, not 22 and a half, what we're seeing up there. That should be for Big Ben, but 19 and a half for Baker Mayfield is his completions mark for tonight. Now, Baker, on average this season, is completing about 18 passes. We know he's a tough guy to rely on. They run the ball a lot. So it's tough to really get yourself up and bet him on this over. But I think it could be worth some slight consideration. He has gone over it, but only five times. I mean, of course he's gone over it, but he's only done it five times. However, the Steelers are allowing, on average, about 21.5 completions per game and 11 Opposing quarterbacks have gone over 19 and a half completions against his Pittsburgh squad. Now, look, I was kind of saying this earlier. We got to try to understand in a sense or at least speculate what the nature of this game may be for a team like Cleveland wanting to play spoiler. They're not going to tank. That's what Wes Reynolds says. And that's really proven to be true. Take a look at the Lions, for example, still compete in every single game. The point being, maybe their offensive game plan goes a little bit differently. Maybe because they have nothing to lose. They just let Baker say, hey, let it fly out there, kid. You know, do what you need to do. Let's just try to have more of a fun game, not take it too seriously. You don't have to be as methodical with it. Whatever it may be, you're probably going to see perhaps maybe more passing in this spot. Last game against Pittsburgh did go over it barely. 20 completions, 225 in the air, no tutties, but one or no interceptions either. We've seen a lot of interceptions from him as of late, but maybe you need to build his confidence let him sling it out there again and consider him getting 20 completions because also now that this line seems to be moving in favor of the Steelers, if this is a game they're trailing, even more so to look at him throwing the ball. I think I thought it was an interesting one to consider because of those reasons. I didn't end up playing it officially, but the market was moving in favor of the over, so that's also why I wanted to discuss it. At the end of the day, it's hard to trust Baker, but I do think he will be passing more in this game as do I with Big Ben potentially. Now, we just discussed this with host of the Pittsburgh CityCast, Tim Benz, knows the team all throughout, so I love kind of getting the confidence on Big Ben when I was contemplating this. Now, his completions, the number was 22.5, overs even money, under minus buck 30, and he's averaging 24 completions per game, and look, the Browns are allowing right at 22 completions per game, but their last three games, they're allowing opponents to get about 27 completions and 24 on the road. Seven opposing quarterbacks have gone over this against Cleveland. Again, I get it. The over being even money is a little bit enticing. However, you have to rely on more with the completions than you do with the pass attempts. And we've seen a lot of times where Big Ben just slings it. But the thing is, he has gone over his completions of 22 and a half every single time he has gone over his attempts. So there's been the consistent correlation. If he's going with at least 35 pass attempts, he's also been getting 23 completions at least. So you could correlate it and maybe take the better price with the completions. However, I think I would still just trust the pass attempts a little bit more. So over 34 and a half, if you can find the 34 and a half out there, I think the over would be worth a strong look. 
Brown's already getting thrown out about 33 times per game. And aside from that, I mean, Big Ben's averaging 37 pass attempts per game. The Browns have been getting thrown on 38 the last three games and also 36 on the road this season. Six opposing quarterbacks have thrown over this against the Browns. I, that's not really going to be a difference maker, but I still just like to throw that tidbit out there. But like Tim Benz was saying, you're probably going to see Big Ben throw it a lot. You've seen that as of late. And if it's a closer game, if Najee Harris can't establish that ground game, which has happened from time to time in the latter half of the season, then you probably got to see Big Ben sling it, try to put on a show the last time at Heinz Field. So I think out of those props, I really like Big Ben over his pass attempts if you're getting 34 and a half. Be sure to do some searching out there with your books available. Last prop that I do have some strong consideration toward that we've seen a lot of movement. Earlier in the day, Bet Rivers had Pat Fryermuth's receiving yards best number at like 30 and a half. I think you're still seeing it at 30 and a half, right around 31 and a half, right in that range. Some other books had it like 35. But you're getting a really solid number with Pat Fryermuth if you're looking toward the over, which was shaded that way, minus 117. This one I was so close to playing. Again, because of how weird this game might be, I wasn't enthused with just getting involved in these props but i do think there is a strong consideration for fryer to go over this he's already averaging about three and a half catches on four and a half targets per game and right at 30 receiving yards per contest the last game against cleveland had a really solid performance he had seven targets brought in four catches for 44 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown also the browns Really not that great in limiting tight ends. Opposing tight ends are getting about five catches for over 48 receiving yards on average against Cleveland. And he has gone over this personally, Pat Fryermuth, the last uh, eight out of 14 games overall in the last two out of three. We know he's been a big part of this offense when they needed him most. I remember we got screwed on betting his under against the Bears with like the last catch of the game for the Steelers. I think that's the other time we got involved with Fryermuth. But I do think if you get 30 and a half, even 31 and a half still, this could be a decent-ish buy low spot for Pat Fryermuth. So that would be another prop for tonight's game that I would consider this him over his receiving yards. So the top two would probably be Fryermuth over his receiving yards, Big Ben over his pass attempts, 34 and a half. But as you know, the play that I did make officially in this game was the Steelers' first half team total under 10.5. But speaking of team totals, before we head out here, I did have another official play that I wanted to throw out there for Danny's Dimes. This one taking place in the NBA with the Bulls and the Magic tonight. Here comes the Bulls' homer pick. No, not actually. Look, this team has been great offensively in the stretch of December and hopefully leading up to January, but this offense ranks third inefficiency as at this point in the NBA. Favorable matchup because you're getting the magic, which is absolutely stink. You're missing a handful of guys, and this Orlando team ranks 27th in defensive efficiency throughout the NBA. Now, the Bulls team total is what caught my attention because the total for this overall game was like 221.5, started coming down 221, and now you're seeing it actually at 218. So personally, I kind of screwed up on this one and bet it early because I thought this thing was going to tick up or stay at about 221, 221 and a half. So again, really quick, the reason I didn't bet the full game total over is because you have to trust the Orlando Magic to contribute to get over that high number. I don't think you can do that with this Bulls team that is solid defensively and you're getting Lonzo Ball back coming off COVID protocols. He is arguably your top defender on this team, so that's going to add the defensive presence. And again, this Orlando team missing a plethora of players. I mean, just a lot of offensive contributors. So you look at the last game they played in as well. 
the, the Magic only scored 88 points. The Bulls got 123. So the Bulls did their part. The Magic did not. So that's why my interests were going with the Bulls team total. And earlier, the number was 117.5. I played it over at that number. Now it's moved down to 115.5. So unfortunately, I didn't get the best of it. Took a little piece still also at 115.5. But if you want to get involved, I'd suggest doing so now, of course, because you're getting two points better than what I originally got, but would absolutely still look at 115.5 over. The Bulls had gone over 115.5 12 times this season. Orlando has allowed it 14 times this season. And again, this Bulls offense ranking third in offensive efficiency as at this point. After their little COVID hiatus, I don't know what it is, but there's been a major spark in this offense. DeRozan's been killing it. We've all been seeing it in front of our eyes. Lonzo Ball, he can still contribute enough on the offensive side, being back in the mix, facilitate. And we know what Zach Levine's going to do. And Vooch against his former team always could be a good selection. But a high-scoring effort is what I'm assuming out of this Bulls team tonight. Look to bet their team total over. And in terms of another team total with a game tonight, like we said, we are going with the Steelers under first half team total of 10.5. So those are the two plays that I'm going with tonight. Bulls team total over. Steelers first half total points under 10.5. I'll be looking just get some in-game opportunity. If something's good, I'll tweet it out at Danny Burke 5 But under 10 in the hook for that primetime effort with the Steelers hoping for a slower start. Best of luck to all of you, whatever you are playing tonight. Tomorrow, you know what we're doing. Teaser Tuesday, we'll talk some college football bowl action as well and much more. Until then, again, best of luck. Thanks for tuning in and take care, folks. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.